Well, good morning. Thank you for being here today. Um, I must say that if, um, if I can get my electronics working right, that would be even better. But uh, I must say that when I think back to the time when, when I was younger, which was a long time ago, uh, I don't know if I ever would have had the courage to get up like the youth have today to, and, and express their innermost thoughts and feelings the way that they did this morning. And so I thank them for the courage to do that. That's, that's a pretty amazing thing. So thank you, youth, for doing that. And thank you for inspiring us the way that you do every day. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29.11 God has a plan for all of us. We may not know what that is, but he does have a plan for us. Now, what is a plan? According to the dictionary, and I I like to go to the dictionary because I'm not real smart with words, but a plan is a method of acting, doing, proceeding, making, etc., developed in advance. So it's doing something beforehand. It's a specific project or a definitive purpose or definite purpose. And the verb is to arrange a method beforehand for any work, enterprise, or proceeding. So it's about preparation. It's about being prepared. We plan all the time. Most of us plan without even realizing we're doing it. I know if you're like me in this wonderful metropolis that we have, you have to plan how you're going to get to work every day because it's not easy to do, especially if you work in that five-sided wind tunnel like I do up in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, the Pentagon. You have to plan for that. It's the summertime. How many of you are planning for your vacation? Do you just go to the airport and walk up and say, I want to go to this place, I want to buy my ticket now? Or do you plan that out so that you make sure that you have success? Because that's why we plan, right? We want to be successful. We want to have success in what we do. Frank, when you go scuba diving, do you just go out and hop in the water and go at it, or do you plan what you're going to do with the dive? The other reason you do that is because I know for me, when I flew airplanes for a living a few years ago, we planned every mission that we had down to meticulous detail so that if something didn't go right, we were prepared for it. And we talked about how how we would be prepared for that because we wanted to be successful. We wanted to have success in what we did. And I think God has that in store for us also, right? That's why he has a plan for us, because he wants us to be successful. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to show his glory through our lives. After all, he did make us in his image, right? We are a reflection of him. And so people see that when we go about our lives. And so that's why it's important that we do plan and that we have a plan. And that, and so since today is Youth Sunday, and we're focusing on the youth and the great talents that they have and the gifts of our youth and saluting the accomplishments of those who are moving on to their next steps, I want to talk first about what is the role of the church in that plan for our youth, specifically for our youth. What role does God have in store for the church? And so the first place I'd like us to turn to is if we could, is to go to your Bibles and go to Psalm 78. 
And this is what the psalmist says. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. <clears throat> Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of, from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. I think there's some instruction there that God's giving us. Okay? There's, there's, there's two things I want to call your attention to specifically. In verse 4, he says, Tell the coming generation of the glorious deeds of the Lord. Okay? We are to tell the next generation of God's glory and of his greatness and to teach them that. Okay? In verse 5, he gets even more specific because he gives us a command. Okay? It's not an option. It's a command. Okay? He tells us that, that we are to tell and command, our, uh, teach the children about the law of Israel. Okay? The commandments, right? That's what he's telling us, the Ten Commandments. Teach them how to live their lives by the law that God has given us to live our lives. Now, Jesus came and he made that a little simpler because he wanted to give us, when he came, a little bit more clearer direction as to how we should live. And he said, you should love your Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we are to teach the next generation that. That's what we're supposed to teach them. So what happens if we fail to do that? If we do not do the things that God has told us to do, what happens? Well, we know that too because God tells us what happens if we fail to do that. And he tells us that in Judges. At the time after Moses, Joshua took over. And Joshua was to lead the Israelites from there. And after he died, in uh, chapter 2, and Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. May we all live to be as old as Joshua. But then he tells us, And all the generations also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And so what the writer is telling us there is that when Joshua died, 
they had actually failed. That they did not teach the next generation the things that God had told them that they should teach. And if you look at Judges, what you'll see is that that was a time of serious decline for the people of Israel. The people turned from God, and they began to worship other gods. And in fact, the last verse within the book of Judges tells us everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And I think we start to see some of that happen in our world today, don't we? Where we see people and the, the, uh, that are doing what they think is right and not listening and not doing what God has told us to do. So if we fail to teach the younger generation, the new generation, what God has in store to glorify him and to teach, him, teach them his law and to love one another and to worship God and only God, then we will drift as human beings. And we will drift from that. And we will drift into a, an era and a time just like the Israelites had back in the time of Judges, where people did everything that was right in their own eyes. And so that's our challenge as a church. Okay? We have that responsibility to transmit that and to teach the future generations. Okay? Are we teaching them what's right in God's eyes? Or are we teaching them to do what's right in their own eyes? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves. I also want to now shift focus to the next generation specifically, and I'm speaking to our young people now. Okay? Especially those that are going to be stepping out on your own. And I still remember, for me, that day was July, or excuse me, June 23rd, 1980. Okay, when my parents dropped me off at the base of a ramp on the foothills of Colorado Springs. Okay, and the ramp at that time said, bring me men. Doesn't say that anymore, okay. But that ramp said, bring me men to match my mountains. It was a poem. Okay, it was the United States Air Force Academy. I was stepping out at that time on my own for the very first time. Okay, into a pretty harsh environment. And I tell the kids today, I go, you know, for that first six weeks, and that six weeks of basic training at the very beginning, I got to call home one time. Can you imagine what that would be like today for today's generation? I mean, they can't go six minutes without texting, right? <clears throat> so a little bit different time back then. But the challenges, I think, today are even greater than what it was when I faced that challenge of stepping out on my own. Because there's so much more in the world today that can draw them down and draw them away from God. Okay? And so there's three things, actually four things, that I want our youth to, to think about as you go out okay, to fulfill God's plan for you. Okay? The first is from the book of James, chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4, where James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
I always, I always like to ask the youth when I talk about this verse, I go, what's the most important word in that, those, those verses? And I say the most important word in that verse is when. Because God doesn't say if you face trials. James doesn't say if you face trials. He says when you face trials. So walk out as you step out on your own into your next adventure in your life, understanding that you will face trials. Because James tells us that. We are going to face trials and difficulties in our lives. It's how we choose to respond to those trials is what defines us as human beings and what makes us who we are. James tells us to take joy in that. I tell you what, it's hard. It's really hard to find joy when you're going through hard times. But what I try to remember, and I encourage you to as you go out, to remember that it means that God has greater plans for you than what you're going through right now. Because he's preparing you for something even greater than what the trial is that you're facing at that time. And that's the joy. Okay? There's also joy in knowing that we have hope because of our faith and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we will be reunited with him one day and live for all eternity in peace and in his glory. And that was demonstrated throughout the gospel. Because all the healing that occurred, what was the reason that Jesus gave those people for their healing? Stop it. What was that reasoning? He healed them because of their faith, right? Their faith in him. And so that's proof that if you have that faith, you will be reunited with him in the future also. Because he healed them through their faith. So, when you face those trials, look at it in a joyful way and understand that God has greater things in store for you down the road. The next thing is look at something that was happened with Elijah. Okay. It's out of 1 Kings 19, verses 11 through 13. And Elijah is running for his life. Okay. He is scared. He's running, and he goes and hides in a cave. And he said, and this is, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the pieces, broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, when he heard the whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? God was speaking to him. Now, you're probably, Lila's probably going, where is he going with this? Okay, is he telling the youth to go camping in a cave? Okay, what is that? Well, what it is, is that you need to find time to be quiet with God. 
Because he's going to speak to you in a whisper. And if your life is so busy, and there's so much noise in your life, that you can't have that time for that quiet time with him, you may not hear what he has in store for you. You may not hear what his plan is for you so that you can act upon it. And so that's why it's important that you make sure as you go out that you find that time to be quiet and you find that time to just have one-on-one time with your Lord and Savior so that you can hear that message that he has for you. Because I can tell you from experience that there are many times that I didn't do that. And the Lord still gave me his plan. But it was a lot harder because getting hit in the side of the head with a two-by-four hurts. Okay? I would much rather get it in a quiet time where I can act upon his will that he has in store for me and act upon his plan that he has for me. But you can't do that unless you make the time to hear what he has to say. And just as with Elijah, he can be great and powerful, but if he's, if he's talking to you in that manner, it's probably going to hurt, because it's going to be something that may be painful. Okay? But if you find the quiet time to spend with him, just as he spoke to Elijah in a whisper, he will give you his plan for you and for those around you, so that you may fulfill that. Have you ever watched one of those nature shows where they're on the plains of Africa and you see the lions and they're out there stalking their prey? <clears throat> Have you ever, and, and the, the commentator gets on there and he talks about how the lions, they work and what are they trying to do? They're trying, they're trying to survive, one, okay, so, but that's not the point. The point is they're trying to obtain food. So how do they do that? Well, what do they do is they, they separate because they can't attack the whole herd, right? They can't go after the, the whole herd at one time. So they try and separate one from the herd. And so they'll do this. They'll chase them around, they'll get them moving, and they'll separate one. And usually the one that gets separated is what? It's one that's weak, okay? Or it, it's a young one also, okay? And then they go in... And they devour that weak one or that young one, don't they? I mean, it's nature. That's, that's how they survive. But that's what they do. Okay? Well, we have a predator out there in the world that's trying to do that to you as a youth also. He's trying to separate you from your faith. He's trying to separate you from your church. He's trying to separate you from your friends who are Christians so that he can get you alone and devour you and take you away. And so that's the thing you need to remember also, is to stay with your church, to stay with your fellow Christians and be with them so that you don't get separated, so that you aren't that target. But I guarantee you there's going to be times when you're still targeted. And there's going to be times when that enemy, and we know that's Satan, right? That enemy is going to come after you. And he's going to attack you. But the good news is that God has prepared us for that also. 
He has prepared us for that. And we go to Ephesians chapter 6, where we learn that God has given us many tools with which to defend ourselves when it comes time to Satan. And so I will tell you that one, I try to remember this because, you know, in the military we have a tradition of carrying a coin. Well, I have a coin to put on the whole armor of God. And this, this is the tool, these are the tools that God has given you to fight that enemy that's going to come after you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the pres- this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And the thing to realize is that Satan is really crafty. <clears throat> and, and kids, you need, to, you need to remember that. Satan is very crafty. He is going to cloak himself in goodness. He's going to look good. He's, Satan is not a guy who has two horns and red and carries a pitchfork. He's going to look good. He's deceitful. He's going to make you think this is the right thing to do because it's going to look good. And so you've got to be wary of that. Okay, because he's smart, like those lions. He knows how to separate you. He knows how to get you out. And he knows how to make you think that this is the right thing to do. But that's why you've got to have the armor. Okay? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the belt plate, belt breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's the, those are the tools that God has given you. He's given you his word. And whether that be in a paper copy or whether it be an electronic copy that beeps in the middle of your talk, it doesn't matter. It's there. And he's given that to you. But it's only good if you use it. Okay? It's only good if you use it. So God does have a plan for each and every one of us. And we all have a role in that plan and in those plans. We have a role as individuals, and we have a role as a body of Christ. Things may not go always as planned, and we will face challenges. We will face challenges to the plans that we have made and the plans that God has made, because Satan will attack us. How we meet those challenges will define who we are. Seek God's wisdom and will to fulfill his plan for you. Keep fellow believers close and active in your life. 
and use the gifts and tools that God has given you to live out and fulfill the plans that he has for each and every one of you as you will go about on the next phase of your life.